Well, good morning. It's a pleasure for me to be here. My name is Rich Wolf. I'm one of the pastors here at Village 7. I had two people this week um, ask me the question, so Rich, what do you really do here? I said, okay, so maybe that'd be a good opportunity for me to explain what I do. Anything that deals with uh, adult ministries, I have responsibility. So whether it be the communities, the teachers, the small groups, whether it be uh, men's ministry, women's ministry, the shepherding program, the care teams, etc., um, I have responsibility for those and the joy of working with so many incredible people uh, who serve in our church very, very faithfully. So uh, I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to be here this morning and to uh, share with you from God's word. In his fear, Jehoshaphat turns to prayer instead of despair. And he leads his nation in prayer before God. Prayer is a beautiful picture, an expression of human despair and dependence on God. One of the reasons we're talking about prayer and one of the key things I think that God has given us prayer and calls us to prayer and invites us to pray to him, uh, as we just sang, is that our life is difficult and in many times we just have to cry out to the Lord with the promise that God will hear us and answer us. In Ed Welsh's book, uh, Running uh, Scared, he deals with fear, anxiety, and worry. And in that book, he make, gives a list of things that are common to uh, people that cause them to be afraid. Let me read some of those. Fear for safety and safety of those that we love. Fear about how we will die. A progressive disease, cancer, Alzheimer's, being alone, being penniless. Fears about what will happen after death and being forgotten. Fear about living a meaningless life. Fear about being unloved or alone. And fear about being in love with the high likelihood of being hurt. Fears about what you will lose. Your figure, boyfriend, girlfriend, hair, yes, youth, mind, money, job, health, spouse, hobbies, purpose, and even one's faith. Think about the things that cause you fear. Maybe it's something in your relationships, relationship struggles that you're having. Maybe it's the uh, financial issues that are not quite where they need to be. Maybe it's future concerns for your life, for the life of others, or maybe it's a health concern of one sort. Or another. In order to understand Jehoshaphat's prayer, to understand how he could pray the prayer he did, we need to understand the situation uh, as well. Earlier in this chapter, in verses 1 and 2, we see that there are armies, not an army, but armies coming against them. And men come to Jehoshaphat and they basically say, hey, we have a great multitude of armies coming towards us. And then we see Jehoshaphat's response in verses 3 and 4 before we get to our, our prayer. It says this, Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. 
Jehoshaphat was afraid. He was afraid because it was a very, very real problem. It was a life and death situation. There was no way that in and of themselves they would be able to withstand these, this multitude of soldiers coming at them. It was beyond them. So Jehoshaphat was afraid. But then look at the next phrase. That he set his face to seek the Lord. He set his face to seek the Lord. And to proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. You see the theme there. To seek the Lord. And so Jehoshaphat's response in the midst of this despair was to turn to prayer, was to seek the Lord, to seek his face, to rely on him. So, and so we see that what, what Jehoshaphat does is very simple. He says that he, he set his face, what that word means, yeah, that phrase is to, to be determined, to be uh, resolved to seek the face of God, determined. So he determined himself and brought others along with him to seek the Lord. And then we also see that he was afraid because it was a real situation. But how was Jehoshaphat able to turn from fear, from despair, to dependence on God, to seek God's face? Well, if we go back to chapter 17, we see we're introduced to Jehoshaphat as the new king. And it says some interesting things here that show that seeking the Lord was not something he did just in a tragic situation, but it was part of his practice. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the earlier ways of his father, David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the practices of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established his kingdom. He had the practice of seeking the Lord throughout his life. Richard Pratt, in his book, uh, Praying With Your Eyes Open, it's a great book on prayer, I would recommend it. He basically what he does is he directs and challenges uh, the readers to remind themselves that God is the focus of our prayer. God is the focus and that we are to gaze upon the Lord in prayer. And that word gaze means to concentrate on, to be fixed on in our times of prayer. And that we are to gaze upon the Lord. And he says that our understanding or our um, theology of God impacts every aspect of our prayer life. And he says, therefore, there are many Christians who are bored with prayer because their concept of God is so narrow and so shallow. One of the things that he also does is challenge us about meaningless prayers. Prayers where we just throw out phrases about God without thoughtful meditation, without being even aware of what we are praying. 
And so he challenges us to be thoughtful and intentional in our prayers. When we look at the prayer of Jehoshaphat, we see that he was very intentional, especially in light of his circumstance, especially in light of the thing that was causing him to be afraid. He was approaching God in a very intentional way. If you look at his prayer, we see that uh, he has a description of God in verse 6, in the midst of his weakness and his powerlessness. It's interesting at the end of the prayer, we'll get to that in a little bit, but one of the things he does is that he reminds God of that, their situation, how powerless they are. But here's what he does. He talks about the God of our fathers. And what he's doing there is he's drawing back the whole idea that uh, God is a covenant God, that he's made promises with Abraham, he's made promises with David. And so he's calling back on that covenant promises that God has made, that he has established his people. And so he first starts by drawing on who God is. He is the God, he goes, the God of our fathers. And then he says he's God in heaven. Basically, he's saying God who is king, the God who rules over all things. And then he gets very specific about it. He says, you rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. And then he says, in your hand are power and might, because that's what they need in this time. And then he, and he says, none is able to withstand you. So we look at this passage of this prayer where he starts out, and he's focusing on who God is and God's attributes and characteristics. And he's looking to him because of who he is is why he is praying to him. So it's very insightful, I think, of how he describes their situation at the end of his prayer. In verse 12, he says, For we are powerless, and against this great horde that is coming against us, for we do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. In some ways, Jehoshaphat's prayer uh, parallels the Lord's prayer. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where does he start? He starts with the character of God. He starts with a focus on God. And the same with Jehoshaphat. He starts with a focus on who God is. And that that's where he gives his attention. Then we see that when we say our Father in heaven, we focus on God, then what comes next? Then we get to the point, give us this day our daily bread. Josephat does the same thing. He starts out with a focus on God, and then he moves from there, and he reminds God of who they are, that they are his people, that he has given them this land, and he has established this temple as a place of worship to honor him. And then they bring the complaint against the invaders in verses 10 and 11. And then, and only then, do they make their plea for help. But we see where the focus is. It's not on themselves. Their focus, his focus, as he leads his people, is on who God is. His characters, his attributes. When I read this, and I see that Jehoshaphat has called the people together. They're at the temple, at the presence of God. 
And he is praying on behalf of the nation. I don't know about you, but immediately my mind went to Romans 8, 34, where it says that Jesus sits at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. He's interceding for his church. He's praying on our behalf, even now, as we come together. And then I thought about the fact that Romans 8 has a lot in it that also parallels his prayer. Because what the Apostle Paul does in chapter 8 is remind us who we are in Christ. He starts out with this, there, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, we stand before God righteous because of the righteousness of Christ and Christ alone. Therefore, we have no condemnation. There is no judgment upon us because we are redeemed by the blood of Christ. Then he goes on in, in chapter 8 and he says that we are given the Holy Spirit. And, when the, and the Holy Spirit leads us. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does is that he cries into our hearts, Abba, Father. Reminding us that we are the children of God. And then not only does the Holy Spirit do that, he also at times prays on our behalf. When we have no way of knowing what to pray. When we are in such anguish, in such despair, that we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf. So we are children of God. We are no condemnation. We are co-heirs with Christ. And so we have this reminder before us of who we are, just like Jehoshaphat was reminding them of who they are. So prayer is a beautiful expression of human despair and dependency upon God. I have a question for you. Do you seek God's face on a regular basis? Are you in the practice of seeking the Lord? Or would your life be marked with a prayerlessness that some of us might struggle with? And are you intentional in your times as you come before the Lord? Uh, my children, you know, if you had asked them, you know, uh, does your dad do devotions? They'd go, oh yeah, every day he does his devotions. And they'd point to the, the uh, couch in the little reading room and say, that's where he has his devotions. Every day, without miss, without, you know, uh, anything. He's just, he's always there, okay. I used to tell them though, and I can tell you, and you could ask me the same thing. Uh, I said, it doesn't matter really in some ways. It matters, but it, you shouldn't ask me, did I have my devotional time? You should ask me, did I meet with God? Because there's a difference. Because there are mornings where I have my devotional time, but I don't really meet with God. And so the question that I ask my children to ask me is, have you met with God? And that's my question to you. Have you recently met with God in the midst of your despair. A thought, I don't think we will be determined to seek the face of God in the midst of difficulties and, and despair and fear if we aren't doing it on a regular basis. Or we'll feel inadequate or we'll feel as though we're not worthy 
in some way. But we are. Later in this chapter, it's interesting, later in this chapter, a young man, son of Asaph, comes to, uh, Jehoshaphat has done um, praying. He's got all the people there, and the, and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon this young man. And he said, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Israel and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours, but God's. Again, Ed Welsh in his book uh, says, he asks the question, um, what is the most frequent command in the scriptures? And it might seem like, well, to not have idols, to not steal, to not lie, uh, don't murder, something like that. But he says, no. Over 300 times in the scriptures, God says to his people, do not be afraid. So he says, here's the proposal. Let fear point you and me to God, to the knowledge of God, and let the Spirit of God, by the way of the Scripture, teach us the knowledge of God. When fear is the problem, our typical approach is to figure out what to do about it, what action steps I'm, we're going to take. But he says, no, the first thing to do is to seek the Lord, is to look to the Lord in your fear. Jehoshaphat, one of the things that he uh, demonstrates for us is that here he was with this big horde of, of armies surrounding them, coming at them. His first response was not to call his leaders together to the war room to come up with a strategy and a plan of how they're going to defend themselves. He didn't marshal his armies to get them ready. The first thing he did was to set his face to seek the Lord. His first response. What is our first response? I don't know about you, but oftentimes my first response is to figure things out myself. And when that doesn't work, then I pray. But I think we're instructed here that we should first, our first strategy, our first response in all things that come at us is to seek the face of God. In his book, Ed Welsh also says there's three characteristics that are vital uh, for us to be able to do this. First, that God is our Father. Second, that God is our King. And then thirdly, that God is generous to his people. Again, this reminds me of the Lord's Prayer. We start out, our Father who is in heaven. So our Father is one who is willing to help us because he's our Abba Father. But the one who is in heaven, who is the king and the ruler of all nations and all things, is able to help us. So God, our Father, is willing, and God, our King, is able to meet us in the midst of our despair. So, when we all face things in this life that cause us to be afraid, 
Maybe you're going through uh, relational difficulties, difficulties with your marriage, difficulties with children, difficulties with coworkers or family members, Uh, something that's going on that's causing a lot of turmoil in your life. Maybe you're hurt and misunderstood or you've been belittled. Maybe you have a chronic health issue or have had bad news from the doctor. Question is, will you have enough money to pay the medical bills? Maybe then your anxiety and fear over the future of getting old, or will I be married, or will I have kids, or will I have enough for retirement? All those things come into our lives and they can cause a great deal of despair in our lives. Questions that we might wake up in the middle of the night thinking about. So how will you respond? Like Jehoshaphat, will you respond with acknowledging your weakness and acknowledging your powerlessness and depend on God? Or will you try to stick it out yourself? Will you try to figure this out and say, I got it, God, I got it? Or will you seek his face and draw upon him? Jesus says to us in John 16, I have said all these things to you that you might have peace. For in this world... You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Doesn't mean that we won't experience grave difficulties and issues that come into our lives, but it means that God will be with us, that Christ is with us. So let your fears drive you to God. Let your fears drive you to your knees where you're seeking the face of God. The psalmist shows us this oftentimes. In Psalm 18, one and two, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. In Psalm 27, 1, he says, The Lord is thy light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So as we are experiencing despair, anxiety, worry, fear, things that just burden our hearts and our lives, let us seek the Lord. But let us be intentional about that. Let us think about who we are are addressing and who we're approaching and be thoughtful behind that. Uh, So there's all sorts of different ways in which you can do that. Let's say there's a health issue that you have and you're uh, coming before the Lord with that. Uh, Our son Chris, when we were uh, in the Philippines, he was very, very sick. and, And many of you have probably heard this story before. Uh, in fact, he, he almost died there three times. And I remember two times very uh, specifically because we had treated him and did his nebulization, did all things we could do. And I'm holding him in my arms at two or three in the morning. He's gasping for every breath. And I'm asking myself, is he going to die in my arms? I remember crying out to God as Yahweh Rapha, God, my healer. And just that saying, Lord, <laughs> We'd love to have him around. We really would. And I I pray that you will sustain his life. 
But if not, give us the strength and the grace to endure. Uh, and I remember uh, asking God to be our peace, our Jehovah Shalom. God, our peace. And then you have the loss or uncertainty about the future. We came back from the Philippines, and uh, I knew we weren't going back pretty quickly. And so the question is, what am I going to do? I'm a man. I want to be at purpose. <laughs> What's my job going to be? How am I, where am I going to serve the Lord? Uh, I had this calling to be in missions. And so uh, we, we sought the Lord, and we were saying, you give us direction. Give us leading. And so we could say, you know, uh, you know, Jehovah Ra'ah, you know, is God my shepherd. Lead me as my shepherd. Guide me, lead me as my shepherd. Give me direction. And the Holy Spirit, who is our guide and our comforter, can lead us. And then in 2009, with the financial crises, you know, we'd lived on support. And our support went, took a really bad dive. To the point where MTW says, Rich, stop doing anything else. All you have to do is, all you can do is work on your support. And I remember God very clearly instructing us that he'd been faithful in the past. He'll be faithful in the future. And to trust on his faithfulness and his calling in our lives. And it was amazing to see how God raised up the support that we needed so we could continue to do what God had called us to do. Now, these phrases, these um, attributes of God, these names of God, there's nothing magical about them. If you cry out, Jehovah Jireh, God our provider, in financial needs, it's not an automatic thing that God is going to resolve your financial issues. Uh, if you cry out to God in time of sickness, you know, Yahweh, Rapha, God or healer, it doesn't mean that he's going to automatically heal your body. But what does, what does it mean? It means that God is showing that he is with you in the midst of that. That he is walking with you. That you can call on him and his presence is with you. And he is able in all these areas to be with you. So how can we use this? Well, here's an example. Uh, navigators, so today if you have the prayer calendar for um, Village 7 of the missionaries and stuff, today is Navigators, and they have a great little uh, thing that you can get online, uh, God is, and it's 31 days of names and attributes of God that you can pray uh, and use that. So one of the things that I think we have to do is we have to give God, God has to become our, our subject of study. C.H. Uh, Spurgeon says this, talking about knowing God. He says it also means that we need to be in God's word. Getting to know God to whom we pray. But while the sh a subject humbles the mind, it also expands it. He who often thinks of God will have a larger mind than the man who simply plods around this narrow globe. Nothing will so enlarge uh, the intellect, nothing so magnify the whole soul of man as a devout, earnest, continued investigation of the great subject of God. So let us be students of God. And the more we know God through his word, the more we will be able to approach him and go to him with intentionality when these things come into our lives. 
I'd mentioned Romans 8 earlier. At the very end, we have these words that should greatly, greatly encourage us. Jesus says, you know, no, in all these things, Paul says this, but I, I can see Jesus saying this to you and me. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Good news, right? Nothing can separate us. Not disease, not death, nothing. Because we have the promise of eternity with Christ. That through his blood, he has redeemed us and we are his. When our kids were little, well, let me get to this first. You know, here's a verse from Psalm uh, 56. Uh, As children of the king, because that's who we are. Remember, we are uh, God, our father, who is in heaven. We are children of God, who is our king. Let us, with childlike faith, say with the psalmist, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? When our kids were little, we used to listen to uh, Stephen Green's Hide Them in Your Heart CDs. Actually, they're probably cassettes when we had them. And we would listen to these in the car. And what he did is he took um, scripture and put it to music for kids, for children. Uh, we're going to listen to a song by him, um, uh, When I Am Afraid I Will Trust in You. And I want you to listen to this song and uh, follow along with the lyrics and see if this is something that God could sure up in your life. Do you ever feel afraid? Even David, who was a brave warrior and a mighty king, felt afraid sometimes. You know what he did? Well, listen to what he wrote in the book of Psalms. Then you'll know what to do next time you feel afraid. From Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. i
trust the Lord in the midst of your trials? Let me pray for us. Father, we do ask that you would enable us through your spirit to trust in you, to find our strength and our hope and our anchor and our confidence, not in us, but in you. And in you, we do trust. In your word, we will praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.